0: Welcome to the Bolt, the official podcast of Trinity Basin Preparatory, a charter school in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, where we share interesting stories and strategies from across our district. I'm Connor Rogers. With me, as always, is my co-host, Mr. Trey. Hey, Connor, how are you doing? I'm great. And yourself? Tired. Yeah.
1: We've been we've been moving. We're moving our central uh, administration office to a more centralized location between Dallas and Fort Worth, and it's for the greater good. But it is killing me. Um, we are all super tired. But other than that. Great and happy to be here.
0: (laughs) Okay. Well, speaking of central administration, why don't you tell us what our topic is today? So today we are focusing on leadership. Why don't we introduce our guests and they can tell us about their leadership experience. Sounds great.
2: I am Leslie Austin. Uh, My position currently is chief academic officer and I always will start with that it is my privilege and honor to be in that position. I regard any place in education as a privilege because of the work that we do.
0: And then uh, a previous leadership experience.
2: Previous leadership experience, being a teacher. It's always a leader. That's where I started. The second was I became a principal fellow in the Dallas ISD program in 2012, 2013, I believe. I lose track of time when I'm about to hit 40. So Um, then I became a junior high principal where I fell in love with middle school kids because they are special and they truly are. And then I thought it was very important to be in children's life when they're about to step into adulthood. And what kind of impact could I make on them? And so I became a high school principal, received my doctorate in 2017. I'm really track of years. I really I am. Know. It's 40. I'm just going to blame you. No, it. that's impressive. <laughs>
0: you received your doctorate. Yeah, that.
2: and received my doctorate and then thought that there's something else out there that I'm supposed to do, applied to only one school district, which happened to be Trinity Basin. And uh, sometimes I feel like my path made out for me. And so interviewed and became the CAO. Oh, that's
0: awesome. We're, gl- we're very glad we were your one school.
2: <laughs> I put all your eggs in one basket.
3: All in one basket. I am Ryan Kayser. I am the principal at the Panola campus, and I need everyone to manage their expectations because Leslie was really impressive. Uh, <laughs> um, m- leadership, obviously being a teacher, um, you know, I was a principal at, or a principal at the Panola campus. I was assistant principal at the Pafford campus for three years. I was also an instructional coach, which is a different kind of leadership. And uh, but really, it probably started with my twin brother letting me boss him around. So
2: just growing from there.
0: You're just always natural leader.
2: So I was Somebody the middle has child. To be. I was the middle child. You know, I don't know who you boss when you're the middle child.
0: Mm, yeah, I think but you get bossed.
2: I think you get yeah. bossed. Yeah. Or it's just kind of, you're the wallflower.
0: (laughs) The cliche obvious question is like, well, what qualities make a good leader? And then someone says like, trust and respect. But we wanted to kind of take a different road to get to that question. So let's say you two are interviewing someone for a principal position and they say something in the interview and right away, that's a red flag. You're like, this person will not be a successful leader. What do they say?
2: They use I a lot. That's Mm. a, that's a flag for me because... I believe in collaboration and it's a team. So if I hear I a whole lot, it's it's my first red flag. It's not that I will never hear I, but if that's the only term that I hear, then and then it's a it's a red flag for me.
3: Uh, to kind of piggyback on that, I think if somebody is in an interview situation and they're talking about their team or they're talking about their campus and I think the we is a good example, but they don't know the names of their team members or maybe the student that they're working with. Not that we would necessarily share that, but um, they just don't know the names of the people on their campus. I think that's a big red flag for me. It doesn't come up a ton, but I do think it's really important to know uh, your staff, know your team, and, and that team piece is just so important. I think another thing for me, this kind of drives me crazy in all interviews, but especially in leadership, when you ask them to prioritize something and they can't, they don't prioritize. They say they're going to prioritize and then they start listing things and everything is of equal importance and they're doing everything at the same time. And multitasking just does not work like that. It's, uh, sorry to burst everyone's bubble. Multitasking is not a real thing. Uh, we can talk about it off mic sometime, but it's, um, so I just, it's, it's a non-answer. And so that's always a red flag for me because I think a leader needs to be definitive in you know, the decisions they make, but also how they prioritize things.
2: Right. And with that, if you ask a question, it's just not answered and something else is given or they go down another direction or sometimes I call rabbit hole, mm-hmm. then I start thinking we don't know the real answer, which is why we went down that way.
0: And they're trying maybe to cover something up or deflecting
2: yeah. deflecting, yeah.
0: Deflecting, yeah. yeah. So okay.
2: those go together really well.
0: So mm-hmm. follow up question to what something you had said, Ryan, you said you will sometimes ask people in an interview to prioritize something like you'll give them scenarios and say, which one would you handle first or something yes. like that? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's a good question.
3: Yeah. Um, I think I've been in less interviews, uh, interviewing principals than Leslie probably has, but when, you know, I've helped interview assistant principal candidates, uh, that was a task that we we give in some of the candidates, and you know you've got ten thousand things happening on a given day. You've got an angry parent. You've got an observation scheduled for eight thirty. You have a behavior student who's being sent down. Your to boss the office. calls. Your <laughs> boss calls. There's an art meeting. Uh, lunch is going to be late, and you already know this at eight fifteen in the morning. How are you, what are you going to prioritize first? And there, it says a lot about your values and Mm -hmm. how you want to spend your day. I think a big part for me is there's always so many things that you can get distracted by during the day, but at the end of the day, everything comes back to the students and then the teachers. And so if they're not prioritizing those above all else in a theoretical question, then we're in big trouble when they actually put shoes on, you know, put boots on the ground.
1: Right. Well, I think you both touched on this kind of in those answers, but what would you consider your leadership style?
2: So I'm going to give kind of a motto. It's people by day, paperwork by night. Wow. So
0: that's deep. That is very uh, profound.
2: um, It's about about the people. It's about the people we serve. And so that's my leadership style. Um, you can call it servant leadership. You can call it collaborative leadership, but it all deals with people and, and they come first. So that's why I went with the motto.
3: I think mine, I was thinking about this. I mean, definitely try to be a servant leader as well. And I think that's a reason that keeps coming up in different strategy meetings that we have as a district. But it, I keep coming back to our business chemistry results. So uh, business chemistry is a quiz that you can take online through a company called Deloitte. And they basically tell you your Myers-Briggs of work. And I was a pretty even split between an integrator and a guardian. And I think that says a lot about who I am and what I value and and how I lead. So uh, being an integrator means being very relational and big on that culture piece. And I think I'm an incredibly relational person. Of course, I always want to know how the decisions we make are going to affect our students. But my next question is always but how will this affect our teachers? What can I do to help support our teachers from that end? Uh, and being a guardian just means uh, you like rules and structures and lists. And boy, do I love a good list. <laughs> so, um, you know, I'm often making lists, but I always want to make sure that um, first and foremost, like the people are taken care of and the most important people in our buildings are definitely our kids. And then it's our teachers because um, they have the most important job.
2: So another thing that we talked about was really funny. My business chemistry was evenly split between all four. And I think the principals were like, no, that can't happen. Go ahead. So I was
3: going to say it was just a little over a year ago when Mm -hmm. we were sitting at Deloitte and you told us that. And I was like, there's no way. There's (laughs) no way anyone is actually evenly split. But I will back this up that the more I get to know you, the more I believe that that is a thousand percent true, (laughs) that it is actually that you are an even split between the four.
2: Right, because this situation calls kind of for what, what approach you're going to take. There are some times that you're going to have to be an integrator because when we're dealing with people, that's extremely important. But being in the role of CAO, like you have to be um, the driver. Oh, you yeah. have to make decisions regardless of people's feelings because at the end of the day, it's about what's best for students. And so you have to be that driver. But then you have to be big picture. Like, what are some things that are innovative that we have to do? And then Guardian, you have to have details with many things. You can't just have the ideas. And so it's situational leadership. You know, it's not like um, it's not a good motto to say I'm a situational leader. Like, what does that mean? But really, that's what why I think I was evenly split, because it depends on the situation you're in is what approach you have to take.
1: So I've not heard of these. What are the four integrator? I heard a couple of them. Well, innovator, no? Integrator.
2: Integrator guardian, guardian. Pioneer. Pioneer. And driver.
1: And driver. Okay.
2: Yeah. Where were you at convocation last year?
1: I was outside in the uh, lobby uh, working on badge photos. Oh, okay, I think with the rest were, of the
2: IT team. You were so right. We should just—we're <laughs> just gonna have nice to send it to him right? to see what he yeah. is. Yeah. I bet he's a pioneer. Yes. 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 Well. Oh, he's yeah. definitely an integrator.
0: But he, I, I see, did yes. love Organ Trail. Is that what kind of
3: pioneer <laughs> we're talking about?
0: In a way, because they're the visionaries. They think like they. So a pioneer type of leader is like, this is the big picture. This is where I want to go. And then the guardian is the opposite of that with the details. Okay. So, but I've seen both in the podcast, like Trey can get very detail oriented and like, we need to have theme music and we need to have X, (laughs) Y, and Z. So he's great. I just love podcasts. That's all. (laughs) Okay. So then we'll, uh, we'll go to a different question. Okay. So let's say you are the leader, right? And then you have a team of, let's say teachers, principals, whatever under you. So how do you empower those who you lead? So let's say like you're a principal and you have a, a third grade team lead teacher. Like how do you help, how do you help them and how do you empower them?
2: So I can I can answer because we're actually, tomorrow we're having a leadership meeting and these are some things that we're going to talk about. She doesn't even know this yet, right? <laughs> so it's defined autonomy. Autonomy is extremely important, even with our teachers, because they're the experts in the classroom. They know those kids better than I can as a CAO and even as a principal. But within that, we've talked a lot about having some guidance. And so really describing and defining what defined autonomy is in the classroom or at a campus or what our district expectations are. And so I think that people really want to know like what our expectations are, like what are our goals so that they can create and formalize a plan that formulize a plan to get to that. So that's my answer, Ryan.
3: (laughs) (laughs) On to you. Uh, No, I think uh, to empower those to lead, I think honestly it comes down to paying attention and knowing your people. Uh, knowing the people that you work with, what their strengths are, because every teacher is the king or queen of his or her dom- domain. They mm-hmm. are a leader, whether they realize it or not, but it's about looking for those qualities. And then it just depends on the person. I think I definitely have worked with teachers. They are natural born leaders. They are in a room. And anytime it's somebody's turn to speak, they point at that person just like we all did yesterday to Leslie at a conference, which is why she's our leader. And And then I had a tribute. And then Connor was tribute. But um, so I think you look for those things and then depending on the person, you might have to do a little bit more pushing or nudging depending. Uh, I always like to be very transparent when I see those leadership qualities, those natural leadership qualities, or if I see a need for a leader uh, being transparent about asking somebody to step up and what that means. But then I think you know, no leader is born perfect. Every leader is always working on something because just even though you're a leader, it doesn't mean you're organized. Being a leader doesn't even mean you're good with people necessarily. <laughs> and so it's about honing their skill to make sure that they're using a phrase I use often with leadership is making sure they're using their uh, their skills for good and not evil. And so uh, making, you know, and helping grow that. But I think that it's very differentiated to use an educational term in that way. And some teachers and some staff are just gonna naturally step up and be there and others need a little pushing. And there's a teacher out there from my campus who may or may not be listening. You know who you are Um, that I'll do a little more pushing with this next next year.
0: Okay, so you follow up question because I wasn't gonna go down this rabbit hole, but it's kind of cliche to talk nature versus nurture, but you did say people who are natural born leaders. So are there some people who is leadership? One of those things you either have it or you don't, or can you develop leadership skills over time?
3: I think you can develop, but I do think there is a level of personality involved in that. I think I've met all different kinds of leaders from introverts to extroverts to, uh, we could go back to the business chemistry, you know, It can be all different kinds of personalities, but, um, I do think there is a little, you have to have a taste for it because otherwise, if you're not, if you don't, then you're never going to be invested in growing those skills either. You've got to have that investment piece in order to develop those skills. So if you don't get that nudge or that push, or you don't care about being a leader, then the chances that you will become one are pretty slim.
2: So I think it's about the motive of why you want to become a leader. Mm -hmm. You know, that really, truly defines you if you're going to be a successful leader or not. You know, what's your motivation? Like why? I think the best leaders are those who are naturally altruistic and they want to make a difference and help people. And then you can develop them into a more successful leader. And I think that's why it's easy to find that our teachers are leaders every day because that's what they do every single day. So it's just about developing them. They don't see the leader within themselves sometimes developing the leader within you and uh, 2.0. <laughs> so I think it's um, a privilege of ours, you know, principals and myself to find them and believe in them and show them that they can do it because they, they just have the biggest impact.
3: I also think there's a difference between being a leader and being a manager. I think there are people who are good managers who, have, who are naturally more opinionated or, who want to step up into a leadership role, but you have to develop them from managers to leaders. Could you,
0: could you explain the difference? Like give an example of each one, please.
3: So I would say a manager is going to be more task oriented. Uh, I think about my days in college working at movie gallery back when movie stores (laughs) were a thing and I was the manager on duty, right? I, it was my job to make sure the DVDs were lined up with all their cases and the VHS tapes as well. If anyone knows what those are.
0: Be kind, rewind. <laughs> yeah.
3: And uh, it was my job to make sure the drawers were counted and all of that. But I didn't believe in or have a vision for what I wanted for the store some like, dreamy <laughs> right. lofty thing, right? <laughs> I wasn't trying to inspire the people that I worked with to sell more gift cards or Twizzlers or buckets of popcorn but um but i was a manager on duty i was a problem solver i needed to check off all the nightly tasks that kind of thing versus a leader is going is going to be the opposite of that to a degree they're inspiring they have a vision it's about um it's about cultivating a culture to reach that those goals or that vision but um to also create a culture of learning and to make sure that everyone's still growing and developing because, you know, we all have,
2: you know, something that we're trying to grow and develop in. So I have a question. Does a manager have followers?
0: A a leader sure sure has followers. Um, I would say a manager, I wouldn't say followers is the right word, but they just have like doers.
2: Lemmings. So we we learned yesterday about compliant engagement versus what was the authentic engagement. And so I think, like you would see that between a manager and a leader.
0: That's a great distinction. And
2: I think that's the biggest quality you can look. And so one of the statements I heard, and I think it was John Maxwell that said it and it says As a leader, if you don't have any followers, you're just a man taking a walk.
0: Wow. That's good.
2: Listen, I'm
3: just gonna let Leslie go first. next time <laughs> way
2: more proud, And then I'll just be like, yeah, what she said.
1: <laughs> no, these are all, these are all really great answers. Um, what I like is I thought these were going to be very education-specific, but you're both saying things that I think apply to several fields, so that's great as well. So these are some things that I can take away and uh, leading trying to lead my team as well. Um, we're going to take a quick break, come back with some more uh, questions, um, and I'm going to uh, – if you hear some kids in the background, we are recording from a campus, so I'm going to step outside and ask them to <laughs> – keep it down a little bit (laughs) use
3: their inside uh, voices
1: but uh, you're gonna lead them I'm going to lead them to a different hallway (laughs) Um, anyway so we'll be right back after this
2: Hey, TVP Titans. It is Leslie Austin, and I wanted to give a shout out to all of you and say I am looking forward to everybody coming back August 5th. August 5th is our district kickoff, and we have many, many things planned for you. Our theme is going to be Do More this year, and we will be doing lunch at 1130, starting at Ledbetter, and having many things planned during that time, but we've got some great hamburgers coming your way, and we're going to have a little entertainment for you, and then we have guest speaker, Aiden Gonzalez, an Oak Cliff native, will also be here. I look forward to seeing you guys, better, District Kickoff. Don't forget, we start lunch at 1130, but if you want to get here early, I think I'm going to have some cornhole and some other games for us to play, just so you know. Thanks so much. See you soon.
1: And we're back. Thank you for staying with us. Um, so we've talked about different styles of leadership. But now we have to talk about the other side of it. What do you do about those who will not follow where you lead?
3: You sound like a Gilmore Girls song. (laughs) I was just thinking that. I was, yeah. There are others who are thinking that, so I'm just saying that. So anyone listening to this in their car or in their classroom don't have to be angry that no one acknowledged it.
1: Well, now I have to watch that. How many seasons (laughs) is it? (laughs) Oh,
3: it's seven plus (laughs) uh, an extra one on Netflix. You don't, don't, don't watch that one. Okay. We can. Yeah, you know,
0: that's an, that's another We've episode. A kind of that's a bonus
2: episode. episode we'll do later. more girls.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so back the original question.
2: Those people who don't follow. follow. Well, you will always have them. You will never get 100% people to follow you. There can be several reasons for that. So my kind of go-to of what do I do is when, when leading people, the first thing that is important for everybody is to know why you're making the decisions you're making. And some people will not agree with that, respect them for their opinions, respect them for being human beings, but help them self-select to a different job or a different career sometimes. You said that so nicely. Uh, Yes. So, because I truly believe in who they are and I want them to be successful in what their endeavors are, but perhaps they're not fitting into, you know, our organization or our philosophy. And just having that very crucial conversation, the radical candor, Of that this isn't a place for you, but I believe in who you are. So let me help you self-select to something else.
3: Yeah, I think I agree with everything you said. I'm glad I let you go first. Uh, But, you know, it really just comes down to, I always wonder why. So, you know, I try to do every one thing I was taught very early on in my teaching career was everything you do in the classroom should have purpose. If you are asking students to line up a certain way, it has purpose. If you're transitioning, there's purpose to it. You're going, there's a bathroom break. There's some sort of purpose to it. And sometimes that purpose is relationship building. Um, But same thing that I ask of any, you know, I would ask of any of my staff, anything that I ask anyone to do, definitely there's a purpose. I've thought through it and, um, have come to this decision for a reason. So if you disagree with that, I definitely want to understand why is it your experiences are different. Um, your, your, your expertise is different. And so maybe I need to think about it from a different perspective, but at the end of the day, we still all have to be on the same page. And so I think the people who are, who don't want to follow that vision or don't want to follow that leader they eventually self-select out because, you know, I think about nobody really wants to work towards a vision that they don't believe in. So even if you don't help them self-select out, they tend to do it themselves just because, you know, you want to work for a company or a person that you believe in and you believe in what they're doing.
0: Right. And something that occurred to me as you both were speaking is I will sometimes think of the motivations of why this person is resisting. And oftentimes it's because they've always done something a certain way and they just want to keep doing it their way. And it's not necessarily like with Leslie was talking about the why earlier. Well, if we agree that this is best for kids, then we've all come to a consensus as principals, as a district, that this is the direction we're going. The person who's resisting that, well, obviously they want what's best for children, but they may be holding on to something personal that Mm -hmm. I want to keep doing it my way.
3: I think that's... uh That's really an important thing to think about because we've talked a lot about at the Game Changer Leadership Academy about how change is uncomfortable and it's messy and it's not really fun for anyone, even if you're okay with change, it's still uncomfortable and messy and you have to be okay with that. And as somebody who is a guardian and likes lists and likes structure, change can be uncomfortable for me. But at the same time, like we have to know that it's necessary and we have to push outside of our comfort zone in order to find the best thing that's the thing that's best for our students and our and our staff.
2: And with, with both of you, are saying is a lot of time that resistant and wanting to hold on is just fear. Mm. It's, it's fear that that new thing they won't be good at because they're good at what they know. And it's fear of, yes, it's uncomfortable, but that uncomfortable, that messy feeling comes from, I'm afraid I won't be good at this and someone's going to see it. And, you know, I, I try to take that into perspective when people are going through things and saying things and and know that my job, because I want everybody to stay on my team, is to show them why they shouldn't be fearful and create an environment that risk are OK and failure's okay, fail forward, you know. Um, but in the end, not everybody's gonna get on board, and that's okay. Right. And
3: and, go ahead. So I was just gonna say that change reminded me of something that we had talked about uh, in our gym night session at the, at the conference, which was change. Changing is also very, very vulnerable. And we don't, you know, we think about vulnerability in many other facets of our life, whether it's relationships or things like that. But we don't think about vulnerability at work. In the same way. And, you know, if you think about a pre-K or a kindergarten student, they are not afraid to be vulnerable. They will cry in front of you. They will ask for their mommy in front of you. They will be dirty and messy and they will ask a million questions and probably the same one a dozen times. (laughs) A middle school kid is not going to do the same thing. They are, their walls are even at, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13, already so way up. And, less it less interested in asking questions because they don't want someone to know that they don't know right. and mm. that feeling only gets cemented the older we get because the older we get the lie your parents tell you or that we're all supposed to believe is that we're supposed to know more the older we get the older i get the more i realize i don't know about most things and <laughs> you know if you're on a trivia team you will also be reminded of all the things you don't know
0: <laughs> Oh, i was just going to kind of go in the same direction you did when you when leslie was talking about we got it's fear and that prevents us from taking risks and that's exactly what our students do and that's why sometimes they're afraid to answer in class because they're afraid and they're afraid of looking like a failure so if we want our kids to take risks we also have to take risks ourselves. and it's
2: not just the fear of failure because i think that they would be okay if that environment was it was opportune for that failure and it would be okay it's the fear of judgment
3: mm.
2: you know and we as teachers and as leaders have to create not just an environment that's okay to fail but not let people judge them for that failure, you know, and, and encourage each other. And that's, that's one thing I think that inhibits people from growing.
3: I think so too. And I think we have to model that from every part of our organization, what that growth looks like and what that development looks like. And that change can be, that change can be messy and it's going to be vulnerable. But if we're all engaging in that, then it's safe for everyone to engage
2: in that. Right. Right. We're on the same team. Let's, let's all work together. Yeah, yeah.
0: Okay. So next, uh, you've already kind of talked to us about your own leadership styles. Do you have people in your life? It could be a close friend, personal friend, or family member, or someone famous that you look to as an example of. They are a good leader.
2: So this reminds me of our game changer, like um, our very first meeting that we had. I thought about that too. Actually. Yeah. yeah. So we put pictures of you know famous leaders. Um, There's many out there and, you know, Mother Teresa is one that's very because of her compassion is one that like I want to aspire to to be uh, compassion for people. But there's those people that are our everyday heroes, our everyday leaders. And so I'm going to go with a professional one and I might even send him this podcast so he can listen to is how I grew up to be the principal um, that I wanted to be was because I had a mentor in our principal fellow program, Mr. Heiss. And he kind of taught all of those things. It's people by day, paperwork by night. Um, he modeled for what it looked like to be visible and vulnerable and vigilant. I think there was all kinds of things that, and acronyms that he gave us. Um, he just, he helped me be okay with failure. And I'll tell you why. The biggest story, and I'll tell this and I say it to the people that are having a hard time and have done something wrong. I had made a huge mistake my very first day being under his leadership. And we were doing ACPs. And if you're what, a Dallas person. What's ACP? It's like, it's like a benchmark. Okay. Um, Dallas does them. I can't even remember. Something course per, I don't, I'm not even going to guess right now okay. because I don't want people to laugh at me. It's judgmental. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. So um, I came in, didn't know any of the kids, any of the teachers. And I was, I just wanted to jump in and be part of the team. And so they're like, okay, we're doing ACPs. Can you pack the boxes and put all the tests? Now Dallas is very like stringent. You're going to run it like it's star. And you, you do everything like that. And so it's a big deal. And I'm packing boxes and I'm trying to read the list and make sure I get the, the right tests and the boxes. And I guess I got really tired about 9 o'clock that night because, you know, I wanted to impress and I worked really late. And the 6th and the 8th grade test and reading looked the same number to me. And I switched the 6th and 8th grade on accident. Oh, no. And so all of the 6th graders got the 8th grade test probably five classes. setting that
3: expectation real high for them. I know.
2: And then all of the um, eighth graders got the sixth grade test. They're like, this is a freeze. Yes. (laughs) And so, but did not realize it to pretty much when the test was finished and somehow some kid's like, I'm taking a sixth grade test. Awesome. (laughs) Um, And then we realized I'd messed it up in about six classes. And so, I actually had not met Mr. Heiss yet because it was my first day and he wasn't there. And uh, when we realized it, he was, of course, called in and I thought, this is it. I'm going to be fired. (laughs) I called my executive director and I told her, I've messed up, you know, and I've done this. And, you know, I just want to let you know, because I'm probably going to have to go to a new campus. (laughs) And she said, she was great, too. And she said, I'm glad that you've owned it. You need to go talk to the principal. And I said, yes, ma'am. And so he comes down to the, the office. And if you've known me, if I have disappointed people, that's the biggest thing that will get me. And so, of course, I had tears in my eyes because I'm a crybaby. And he walked in and he shut the door and he goes, do not let them see you cry. And I was like,
0: whoa, that's the first thing he says.
2: That's the first thing he said. And I said, "Okay." (laughs) how do you suck those back? (laughs) (laughs) And I said, "Okay." And he said, "Okay, I have a question for you. Years from now, when you're on your deathbed, are you going to think about this? And I looked at him, he's like, "Now answer the question years from now. Are you going to think about this on your deathbed? And I said, no, I'm not. He goes, then stop. We will find a way to fix it. Let's brainstorm. We're going to, we're going to send out a letter. We're going to tell parents we need them and we might not get it. And I'll, I'll call the district and I've got this, but don't let them see you cry and help me fix this. And that was kind of who he was. And that was the biggest probably leadership lesson And I knew that I could fail, and he would show me what I needed to do to fix it. And that spoke volume. So that is why I will pick him as my leader.
0: Huge, huge moment there, and could could have gone wrong in a lot of ways. A lot of
2: ways. You guys were supposed to make me go first. (laughs) (laughs) Just gonna replace it. Did you prep with him and say you had to go
3: first? (laughs) No, I should have though, because you just keep blowing it out of the water. So I was. I have racked my brain about this question. I don't. I wanted to come up with something great, right? Like Leslie's talking about this mentor she has and because I listened to the Hamilton soundtrack too much. <laughs> no. I did consider many founding fathers, but then, you know, it was like, should I go the route of George Washington? You know, he was strategic and he was this and that and, and a visionary. And, uh, but like Ruth Bader Ginsburg is, this powerful woman on the Supreme court has been in a leadership role forever. And she also is incredibly disciplined and that's really admirable. And I came up with all of these ideas. And then I realized I was denying my true self because I'm not cool enough to answer in any of those, uh, intellectual ways. My real answer is I think a leader that I look up to, it's not in education <laughs> at all. It's, uh, I realized it's Mike Schur, who is the showrunner. Sure. <sighs> you yeah. just figured it out. Yeah. Parks and Rec and
0: the good place. <laughs>
3: yeah. yeah. Showrunner of Parks and Rec. Good place. He worked on the, the American office and one, I listened to the good place podcast uh, and
1: citing that down, okay.
3: it's really good. It's hosted by Mark Evan Jackson. Oh, okay, yeah, his last name is he plays the judge on The Good Place. But one thing, everybody who comes on that podcast, they're all actors or some of them are cinematographers or directors or this many different facets of the set. And everyone, they all really enjoy working for him and they talk about him with reverence, but it's not because oh, he's so warm and fuzzy and this and that. I mean, I think he is, but it's because he has such a vision and he treats people with such compassion and kind of like how you were talking about, Leslie. Um, He is a true people person and he cares about the people that he works with and that he, I think he would also describe it as a privilege to work with the actors and the people that he gets to work with. But they also come to work every day. And, you know, they have long days. I don't think their job is harder than our job, but, uh, or a teacher's job, but you know they have long days and yet they still find a way to have fun, even when sort of the going gets tough and the deadlines are tight, but he has a vision and he makes sure that that vision is executed at every level. And all along the way, he's, he's taking care of his people. And I think that's really important.
1: Are these things that you've heard him speak to or are these just people telling anecdotes, anecdotes on the podcast about his leadership style?
3: It's more anecdotes about him. He does talk that about right the vision because cool. they did just announce that the, their season four will be their last season oh. because he had a vision for what it was going to be like and they're going to reach that in four seasons. And so I do think that that vision piece is a huge part mm-hmm. about leadership that I'm still working on every day and uh but it's also it comes back to that integrator piece that we talked about before with you know having to be relational making sure that you're taking care of your people because at the end of the day like my staff is so important to me because they have the most important job i cannot like physically affect five to six hundred children in a day but but the staff at the Panola campus can because there's enough of them. They're in a classroom. They are like boots on the ground. They are what makes the difference every day. And um, so it's important for me to take care of those people and make sure that they're well taken care of. And I think he does that. So
2: that was pretty good, Ryan.
3: I didn't have like this heartfelt story. (laughs) It was about a television
2: show,
0: (laughs) (laughs) but still both good leaders. Yeah. 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 So you guys have
1: mentioned this. Uh, both of you have mentioned this a couple of times. The the game changer leadership academy. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I've heard buzzing about it, but
2: uh. absolutely. I will say that it is a subject of like I'm proud of that and and the work that we're doing. Um, sometimes pride is a word, you know, when you're supposed to be a humble servant leader that you're not supposed to to use. You know, let me just put it out there that. But I am. But you proud. should be proud of things that yeah. you.
3: Deal, I think that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's there's true.
2: like
0: the, there's like the evil pride, like hubris, right? right. Like excessive pride, but then like you can pride see. And
3: prejudice
2: situation. Yeah.
0: Yes. Like yes. pride and prejudice. Uh, uh, and then there's also the, you should be proud of hard work that you do.
2: Well, I appreciate that. So, and it's really not of the work it, that I did. It's I'm proud of the people that are part of it. Um, we've had two of them and let me say, what is that? So game changer leadership Academy, um, came to me thinking that building leadership capacity among our teachers because they are informal leaders, formal leaders. Um, I believe in them so much. And if we could empower them on their campuses, we can have such a greater impact. There's only one principal and they can't do everything. And it's hard. Believe me, I've been in that seat before and it's you need good people around you. So how can we build that capacity of that teacher? And so creating an academy, an academy, a game changer academy, um, was the way that we could teach them the qualities of a leader. Um, We created a leadership profile our first meeting. And what does that look like? What standards of excellence do we have for our leaders? And then our last meeting, we talked about effective practices. We talked about growth. You know, we just finished off the year. And so what do you do? You want to be reflective. So we spent a lot of time on reflecting, creating a growth plan. We did individual growth plans um, we have four, three more meetings because there's a total of five meetings. We have 18 teachers. We opened it up to the entire district and there was an application and they had to write some essays and, and tell us what kind of leader they were and who met, like some of like the very same questions I think you guys are asking us. We asked them and then we're just really looking for these people to embody what it means to be a leader at TBP and then go forth and multiply, really. Is mm-hmm. what kind of the philosophy behind It's it. like forward. a pyramid scheme. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right. Yes. Right. Uh, and I can speak to, so the instructional coaches and assistant principals are also going through this leadership academy as well. And I have really enjoyed the two sessions we've had. I'm learning so much about my own coaching style, my own leadership. So if you're a teacher out there who's thinking, uh, I don't know if I want to do it, you should you should definitely talk to someone who's done it. And I'd highly recommend
2: it. So our very last meeting will be in December where we kind of have a graduation celebration, kind of we made it through this, and then we will do a cohort too. Is there, is there going to be cake? I'm going to get you to commit on like, my cake. I'm going to commit to the cake. Fantastic. Yes. yes. All right,
3: good. Connor likes Maybe chocolate. pedophores. <laughs> oh. I know somebody who could maybe bake that for you. <laughs> all right, all right.
1: So this is... After December, after the last one, well, this is something you said it's going to repeat. Will be a new cast of characters, new leaders Correct. to apply. Okay, yeah. cool.
2: Yeah. And so I like the kind of spring to the end of the fall kind of timeline. And I really thought, do I do I want to wait to do this in year two, or is this something? So I thought, when would be the best timeline? And so I think really choosing to do it in spring and then having this time to reflect. And I told them on um, the day that we met, I said, I'm going to. Use you today first before we learn and get feedback from them. We did a redesign of Lit for Life 3.0 and we did a a QCDM, a quality control design management protocol. And it was really involved and did a lot of online platform stuff. It was googly, Trey. It was googly. And (laughs) (laughs) we just did a lot of collaboration on what Lit for Life year three should be, kind of what worked in year one and two. What were we missing and what could we do in year three? And they, they developed a protocol on what they thought we should do. Cause getting feedback from the people who implement these things is really important to us as a leadership team. And so that's kind of twofold what we did with them. We use them for their feedback and then we teach them (laughs) smart.
0: As we're talking about the game changer leadership Academy, are there other books or podcasts or things for people who are just really want to know more about leadership? Where would you send them to?
3: I'm going to jump in and go first go. Yes. because Leslie I think has a long list <laughs> and I don't want her to take any of my answers. <laughs> uh, because for the Game Changer Leadership Academy, we are reading John Maxwell's Developing the Leader Within You 2.0. Yeah. There's two books on this list that say 2.0 just so you know. Um, and I think uh, we were supposed to read chapter 10 for the for our second session. I had read chapter one, read chapter 10, and I was like, oh, I don't know what the next reading assignment is, but I'm going to go ahead and start <laughs> in chapter two because I'm enjoying it so much. It's very, very practical. And it also is not just for leaders in education. It can be leaders in anything, but I've really enjoyed that one. We also did a book study with this assistant principals this last year uh, with a book called Leverage Leadership 2.0. Mm-hmm. And again, just a lot of very practical information. I think. It's really easy in education to get caught up in theory and what it should look like and all of this. But at the end of the day, we need practical things that we can take back to our campus and do tomorrow. And I think both of those books do that. You can also jump in at any point. I'm about to move podcasts because I listen to too many. but, (laughs) uh, But the ones specifically related to, I think, leadership or education, I have told my staff about Steve Barclay's Ponder Out Loud. Podcast. It is he caters his conversations more to instructional coaches, but there's still a lot of really good instructional stuff. Um, I do have a pet peeve. He does not turn his phone off for podcasts. <laughs> this is a very professional podcast setting that we are currently in, and we have all turned our phones off. But so, just beware with that. But uh, that that one's really good. I also think happier with Gretchen Rubin is not necessarily a leadership podcast, but it's a lot about reflection. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that you can be a good leader without reflecting on how, well, how did that go? What could I have done better? What worked? What didn't? And asking yourself those questions. And so I think she really focuses on that reflection piece. Right.
0: I would say it's more in the category of like self-help, self-awareness, and you're right. To be a good leader, you need self-awareness. What are my good habits? What are my bad habits?
3: Yes, absolutely. And then the last podcast, I think that I had... Oh, no. I have two more. <laughs>
0: <laughs> 2.0. <0. laughs>
3: <laughs> and this doesn't, barely scratches the surface. Uh, coaching for Leaders with Dave... And then a real, the last thing I don't know how to say, so I'm not even going to try. Uh, I've listened to a couple of episodes of that and it was really good. Again, more on just like general leadership, but that, but then I also really enjoyed Radical Candor. They did, I can't remember how many like, episodes. I think it was like
0: 20 or so. 20 episodes yeah. or
3: so. And it's, they're pretty, I mean, they're, they've been on a hiatus for a couple of years. I don't think any more is coming out. So that is nice to know that there is a, there's a start and an end to that. But Radical Candor is really about feedback. Feedback and leaders need feedback, teachers need feedback, students need feedback. And so it's really helpful to think about from a leadership perspective, too, as somebody who I have people ask me for my feedback, but then also as part of my job is to give feedback. So it's a really powerful thing to reflect on. And I listen to it probably once every year. I, I go back through and I listen to everything. So it's back in my queue now. So. Right.
0: Radical candor. I listen to all the episodes. Highly recommended. If you, if you like that feedback, praise, criticism, that's kind of your area, then definitely check out Radical candor.
1: And I think we can put the links to these in the description so listeners be sure to check the description of this episode and you can put links and descriptions of everything that you guys are talking about.
2: See professional podcast. There you yeah. go. Yeah. So I am new to the podcast. Oh we will bring you on board. Mm-hmm. I know and so like my very first podcast that I listened to was the Bolt episode one and I think
1: sure. there's no better place to start.
2: <laughs> I, <laughs> I agree. I and even biased. the bonus episode you know I really enjoyed the conversation about Marvel you know and our, our superheroes. <laughs> <Really great.
0: laughs> See I feel so, like that was where we lost some people <laughs> no. like
2: they, uh, were,
3: well, they
1: were into
0: okay. it and then they turned it off no
2: i'm totally with you like loved avengers Endgame. game oh, like, awesome. i am i'm a superhero weirdo it's okay <laughs> is um, that I, a phrase um, that i didn't know about superhero weirdo it is now uh, it is <laughs> now i have coined it <laughs> like that. um, and that's me and so like i really did enjoy that but podcasts are new for me so i don't have those i do listen to and i don't i don't think it's a podcast but i get um an email every day it's called minute with Maxwell and he is one of my favorite authors. And so it's just kind of a one minute. He gets a term, usually a leadership term. Um, like connection was one. Um, the last one that I listened to was drama. And so he gives a whole minute of what he thinks about drama. And I mean, we don't have that anywhere in TVP, (laughs) but it's good to know about that just in case. So that was like the last one. It's just kind of like, how do you deal with life? You know? And, and, that would be my closest to podcast I think I've got. But I am not going to bore you with my very long list of books. I have three bookshelves at home.
0: Oh, my gosh.
2: With leadership books and wow. just content books. And um, I am a book person. I have two bookshelves in my office. And that's really what I was doing when I came here. was packing my <laughs> packing books that books. I'm putting in my car because I can't lose these books. <laughs> what I'm reading currently, of course, Maxwell. I'm reading um, Is that John John Maxwell. John Maxwell. I'm, I'm reading, it's called Leader Shift, and it talks about, you know, I've, this is my, in a really formalized leadership role, this would be my eighth year, I count my assistant principal, my principal role, and then, then of course, this, and it's, so you develop as a leader, as a baby leader, I thought I knew things, and then, you know, as into the role I'm in now, I'm like, oh, I had no clue uh, until you're in it, I'm sorry, <laughs> Connor is like, stop hitting the table, so I'm such a hand talker. It's a podcast. Okay, you can't so see what anymore.
0: other okay. what other what other books?
2: <laughs> so it's called leader Shift. and it really takes about like what are you as a leader right now and what do you need to shift to become better? And so my biggest one, because I'm such a servant leader, I get stuck in people pleasing. And so the the chapter that's really meant the most to me in that one is people pleasing to challenging. And challenge can be a bad word sometimes. It's like, do you want to challenge people? But really, you should be challenged. It's that radical candor. And I think it goes along well with that. So that's my, that's my book right now that I'm reading. Um, Speed of Trust, Stephen Covey. We also are doing a game changer. I could give you authors and authors. What I read last night for an hour was Marzano's district leadership that works. So all those teachers out there know that Marzano is really good with effective practices in the classroom. He's also done district leadership research. And so really reading what uh, Marzano and Waters say about district leadership scoring. You good know old that. Bob. He's good at everything. He is, right? <laughs> Bob Marzano. <laughs> yeah. So I, And that's about as far as I'm going to get with books okay. because I could talk forever about books. <laughs>
0: But that's, oh, that's good. Okay. So yeah. we got, we got a lot of books, a lot of podcasts for people who want to learn more about Lots leadership. Lots of
2: content for the
3: people. Yeah. Like, and, and, and
1: again, check your description to the, the, the hang on the show notes. Yeah. Wow. Check the description for all of the links and, and list of all of the books and podcasts we've been talking about.
0: Okay. So now we're finally ready to move into the final three questions.
2: Yay. I'm nervous about
3: these of all <laughs> questions. These are the easy ones. Uh, Since they first asked these questions on the first episode, I am a super fan of this podcast. Uh, I have been thinking about my what my answers would be because you said that these questions will always be mm-hmm. asked. So right. I
0: am... Part of the nervous. format, right? Yeah. You got to have mm-hmm. the same. Okay. I so know. first question, if TBP were a fictional character or celebrity, who would it be and why?
3: I'll go first because yes, Leslie's making a face. <laughs> uh, so I think, stay with me here. Uh, I think if TBP were a fictional character, I'm not going celebrity, fictional character... We would be Jake Peralta from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. <laughs> so if you have not watched this show, you should. It's delightful. Also a Mike Schur uh, show as well. Oh, I didn't so know I'm that. So just bringing this back around. Okay. I'm going to talk about all of the television and things that I love um, in this podcast, apparently. But Jake Peralta is one of the detectives on the show. And he's he's always underestimated to a degree. He, uh, but he always gets the job done. He can be kind of scrappy and
0: he can kind of messy, he's messy like,
3: sort of a goofball. Goofball for sure. Uh, but, and, and yet at the end, he tends to outsmart everybody. And I've been with TBP. I just finished my eighth year with TBP. And I think we are, we have moved from Jake Peralta early years mm. to uh, Jake Peralta with like, his hair being like better managed and like leather jacket. I think we've moved in like that direction. He's
0: married now. He's and married he, and he settled now. He's more
3: developed and settled down, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Um, because I don't think, you know, Jake is always underestimated. And I think TBP as a district doesn't have that brand recognition. Yet. and yet and I think we're getting there I think the bolts will help us but um, but I do think at the end of the day we still keep getting better and I still think because people underestimate us um, they're like oh yeah hey they are doing good things over there that's that, that's pretty cool all
0: right that's a great answer
2: all right so I've really been thinking about this since you know walking in this room and I'm gonna have to go with the hero thing okay. you know I I just will never change about any organization and being a hero. And I think oh, this is going to be so cliche and you'll be like, you totally just picked it. Captain America. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll, I just he think is the best event. I,
0: I mean, as someone with the last name Rogers, I'm a big captain. <laughs> okay. America fan.
2: So, you so. know, he started scrawny, right? Oh, that's and, right. And kind of like you said, that underdog and, but it didn't matter even though he was that underdog, he was a fighter. And I remember that and, you know, learning the, evolution of Captain America right and so you know he took that special sauce I'm sure it had a name and I know you probably know what that was that he took yeah, I
0: think it was like the Vita it's Ray boost with the super soldiers here oh, super yeah. soldiers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just need <laughs> everyone
3: to know that Trey and Connor looked each other in the <laughs> eyes and tried to say it at the same exactly. time
2: there's real um, nerd factors I know right that there. it was green and I'm just gonna go with special sure. sauce, special sauce. sauce. Yeah,
0: that's what I was same and, thing in the Big Mac yeah, yeah. So in <laughs> Captain America.
2: so he took that he became strong and he He takes care of all the Avengers and tries to keep them together. But yet when he needed to stand against Tony Stark because Mm -hmm. he took up for his friend, um, I believe that we will do that. You know, we will stand firm in what we believe in. Um, And so that is why I've chosen Captain America and just a hero. And that I'm going to tell you right now, hands down, that's what every teacher, principal are to me. And so that's they embody who we are.
0: They are heroes. And a leader. A leader. Leader of the Avengers. Right. That ties in perfectly. Leader. and no, no, and I was going to say that <laughs> because oh, you. you would think the leader of the Avengers would be someone like Thor or yeah. like the Hulk, like who's the most powerful, but like yeah. it ends up being just like the guy with the best values and the best decision making and like the, the leadership best qualities. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, we're all shooting for Chris Evans, bearded Captain America. Yeah. That's what we're all <laughs> shooting for.
0: Uh, and then the other, one more thing about Captain America, and then we'll go on to the next question. <laughs> we can't do uh, this again, Connor. Uh, <laughs> I know, I know. Just one more thing, one more thing, <laughs> is in the first Captain America movie, when there's a scene before he gets the super soldier serum, he jumps in the grenade when he's like yes. a little kid, and like yes. that's what makes him a hero. Absolutely. It's those kinds of things.
2: And it doesn't matter if he's the biggest one because he is going to be that altruistic hero who will sacrifice all and do whatever it takes for those around him. And that's, that's what we are. That's
3: and he always takes care of his people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, Bucky. Mm-hmm. Bucky. Yeah. yeah. Loyalty. Man. Yeah. There's a lot loyalty. of loyalty there. Yep. Yep.
1: Okay. Yep. Mr. Trey, next question. So <laughs> this one was the one that I had the hardest time with on our first or on our bonus episode. What is one thing that you would uninvent if you could and why?
2: I'll come with my first answer that I gave y'all. Meatloaf. I hate it. <laughs> I, okay. Hot go, take over here because I, I like me some meatloaf. Same, I
0: know, same. right? So what, why, why the beef? Pardon the pun. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty
2: good. Uh, there's a lot of it. And like if you don't do it right, it just doesn't. My my mother made me eat it. I just didn't like it and I can't get over it, I guess. How did your mom make how did she run it? wouldn't matter. For you? It's a lot of meat. And so I don't know. I don't know. I think, you know, as growing up, I'll tell you what it probably was. You know, I'm this this kid who I didn't eat bacon because, you know, it was a pig and like there you shouldn't do that. And then the meatloaf is just a bunch of meat and it, it's I'm a loaf just a of kid. meat. Yeah. You know, I will say as I have grown older and about to hit 40 and like in July, that I have grown to tolerate it but if I could uninvent it I would just because I am such an easy going person most of the things I'd, I'm good with and I'll adapt so I but just went with meatloaf meatloaf
0: is where you draw the line <laughs>
2: yeah I draw the line with meatloaf pretty easy
0: going except for meatloaf yes mm. see I feel that one of the worst things meatloaf has going for it is the name
2: yeah. Like if, if oh, it, yeah it
0: needs a rebranding you know beef casserole whatever you want to call it no that's not better
2: <laughs> yeah. not even better I don't know what to call it but. so I think that was my safe answer it's just okay. something I don't Uninvented like meatloaf. Yeah. So it
3: works?
1: All right. So
3: my answer is I would un, un- invent dresses without pockets because all dresses should have pockets, but this led me down to a whole nother thing. Leslie has Leslie pockets in her, dress, her her right. in her dress. pockets. hands <laughs>
1: in her
0: dress pockets.
3: She chose well. Um, but also maybe just impractical clothing in general. But specifically, Like what's, what's, what's an example? Uh, you know, like six inch stilettos. I mean, listen, okay, if you yeah. want to wear heels, I'm all about it. I've I have heels. I once broke my ankle in a heel. Uh, <laughs> it was not that tall of a heel either. But uh yeah, just impractical clothing in general. Um also I'm just gonna go for it. Another hot take. Overalls. Overalls are not practical. <laughs> They're not practical. You'll let like get undressed.
2: I have a bunch of farmers in Maple that will disagree with you. <laughs> I said it was a hot take. And
1: so many pockets on the front of them, right? Don't they like they built in? Well, wow, okay. All
2: right, mm. see so I see what you're doing there. Pantyhose.
3: Oh yeah, those are mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. That's,
2: But that's, I like a good tight. I know, because you questioned me about my lack of tights. And she's like, You don't wear it tights? It would be 30 degrees
3: outside, and Leslie's not wearing tights for her dress. <laughs> and I am just worried about her health. Yes. So we've had this conversation. Yeah, Can you tell? I would uninvent dresses without pockets because why? We all, Everybody needs a pocket. I need, to, I need to carry stuff.
0: Given the choice between pockets and no pockets, why would you ever choose no pockets? Right, yeah. exactly. Uh-huh. I'm with you.
2: Yeah. I choose pockets. <laughs> hashtag no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you Make bumper stickers out of that. Okay. So any uh, general life advice, anything you want to pass on to our listeners? Um, you've given so much of it already, uh, just talking about leadership. Is there anything else you'd like to impart?
3: Shocking 2.0. I have two things. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, one of them is a Gretchen Rubin thing. I mentioned her earlier, but outer order, outer order, inner calm. I think she has a book about it. I haven't read it, but it's really just comes down to simplifying your life so there's less to worry about. You know, if you've got uh, a stack, if you have 16 stacks of paper, how will you ever find that one you're looking for? So it's all about, you know, just simplifying things so you know where to find things. It makes your life easier and it makes you much calmer. I'm not doing a very good job explaining this, but um, outer order, inner calm, it will bring you peace if you are more organized, but also it will bring you peace if you you know, know where to find that piece of paper or, uh, know that you don't have too many pairs of shoes or I have six orange dresses with pockets. Like which one do I wear today? Nobody needs that many dresses. So in orange, um, yeah. So outer order, inner calm. And then the other part of my advice, the G rated podcast version of it is don't be a jerk. So I gotcha. (laughs) Connor's nodding his head. Uh, But don't be a jerk. I mean, I think it comes down to that golden rule of always treat people how you want to be treated. Let the person in front of you. You're driving right now. There's somebody who wants to get in front of you. Let them get in front of you where you're going. I know you want to get there quickly, but just do a kind thing and let them in. And I always think about... If my mom walked in right now and I were speaking to a person in this way or, or were doing this thing, would my mom be proud of me? And if the answer is no, then I probably need to reevaluate. But also, because we work with, with students and kids, I I tell teachers this and I've I've thought about this as a teacher as well. If I walked in and this child's parent were to see me speaking to this child, would I be okay with it? Would they be okay with that? And
2: so just don't be a jerk. Just be good. Just be kind. Be nice to each other.
0: It's really good advice.
2: So my advice, and I gave it to the game changer. So if you were there, you get to hear it again. John Maxwell in our developing the leader within you 2.0. When he turned 40, he said he wrote this book about his lessons or what he felt that you need to do before you're 40. And I, I shared with the game changers that, now, like, I think I'm having a hard time with turning 40 because I keep talking about it, but it is coming close. And I kind of talked with everybody if I could teach, if I could say the things that I learned before I turned 40, that I would like other people if they haven't learned them yet to learn, this is what they were. And it was the top 10. So bear with me while I give you my top 10. The first thing was growth matters. Growth matters all the way until you die. And so always be growing. The second one was take risks. I mean, that's like a given. I mean, I
0: mean, yeah, we mm-hmm. talked about that a lot. Miss Frizzle.
2: Yeah.
1: Get messy, take chances. Yeah. Mistakes, huh? sure.
2: Number three, <laughs> <laughs> he, he goes, sure. sure. Number three is love people. Number four is work hard. Number five, forgive often. Number six, <laughs> can't say the second part of what I'm about to say, but have that piece of cake or, and then I'm going to leave it yeah, at that. I know Everybody knows because well. I did say it to the group, but you know, oftentimes I try to stop myself from eating that piece of cake. You know what? Eat the piece of cake, commit to the cake, commit to the cake. <laughs> I committed to the cake. Number seven, be proud of yourself. Number eight, be disappointed in yourself. Number nine and find a way to get better. And 10, 10, vacations are needed. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I had shared with the group of what my lessons that I have learned um, in my short four years.
1: I think that's a, especially number 10 is perfect as
0: we get closer and closer okay. to our vacation. Our own know. vacation. Yes,
1: and we're so in the middle yes. of summer
0: vacation. So, so yeah. thank you very much to our guests. And Mr. Trey is going to close us out.
1: Yes. Yeah, so thank you uh, again to Ms. Kayser and Ms. Austin for being here. Thank you all for listening to The Bolt. Um, keep the reviews coming and um, you can follow us at the Bolt Pod on Twitter. Uh, email any questions you have or ideas to the Bolt at trinitybasin.net. Uh, we'll try to answer them on the air if we can. Um, you can uh, subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, whatever you prefer. Uh, and, and like I said, please leave a review. We like to know how we're doing. Um, thank you again to our guests. Thank you to our engineer co-producer Manolo Munoz for making us sound good. And thank you again to um, the people out in the hallway for fighting down for the second segment. We really appreciate it. Uh, I'm Mr. Trey. I hope you all have a great summer. And I want to remind you always to do more, expect more, and be more. Bye.
0: Never, um, not with this crew no apparently <laughs> <laughs> not